0: And thank you for joining us for this FreightWaves virtual event, our Cold Chain Summit. I'm Kaitli Nix here with Greg Tuttle from CQ. And this is a really interesting topic because when it comes to tracking temperatures, losing track of your temperatures on the high seas can be a bit of a challenge. So let's dive into it. Let's really get some insight on what's going on as we're crossing the ocean in these containers. Greg, thank you for joining us for our Cold Chain Summit.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kaylee. You know, I'm uh, pleased to be here and I look forward to to the discussion.
0: This is a really interesting topic, as I mentioned. And first things first, let's just dive into a little bit of what C-Cube is. What is the premise behind the company? And then how does your technology help support container temperature tracking?
1: Sure. Uh, C-Cube is one of the leaders in refrigerated container leasing. Uh, We have uh, significant investments in the uh, refrigerated container markets, and you know, predominantly we're a leasing company and a equipment financing company. But again, our focus and our niche is really in the refrigerated space. So that again, lends to uh, smart containers and also technology um, that allows our customers to assist them with managing their assets, number one, but also to your point, um, monitoring the cargo condition uh, through the voyage and through the uh, through the delivery process.
0: So when it comes to ocean shipping, it might not make sense to think about shipping temperature-sensitive temperature, temperature sensitive materials overseas because of the length and time of haul, if it's in port, you've got to wait, you've got to, you've got to dry it, and then everything before it gets to its final destination. What are some of those biggest challenges that come when shipping those temperature-sensitive materials, specifically using ocean freight?
1: The biggest challenge uh, as of late has been the congestion and the delays associated with some of the uh, scheduling challenges that the operators have had. So that's been probably the biggest challenge with most um, shipping operators. And of course, the shippers themselves have been concerned about extended transit times, uh, which again, it lends to uh, a smart container offering the transparency and also the ability to go ahead and look at The cargo condition as that freight moves from origin to destination. So I think, you know, I think the congestion issues are probably the number one concern that most shippers have uh, on the top of mind in terms of making sure that the condition, the cargo and the outcomes are favorable despite the extended uh, transits.
0: And so, obviously, congestion issues aren't going anywhere anytime soon. A lot of forecasting has been done, saying you can still expect port delays well through the end of 2021 into the start of 2022, even. And that's before we hit our peak season shipping. Talk to me a little bit about why you sh- why even bother choosing to use ocean freight if you know that you're going to have temperature sensitive materials and they're going to experience those delays. They're going to sit in port for a little bit before being accessed.
1: Ocean freight and containerization will probably continue to be the primary mode for at least uh, for the near term. I think there's certainly air freight options, but from a refrigerated commodity perspective, I think that's highly um, improbable that we'll see a lot of conversion just because of the cost, because of the uh, additional complexity when it comes to logistics. So the beauty of the containerization mode and the, the movement of refrigerated containers lends to... Uh, the loading and the discharging and also the transport of large quantities. I say large quantities, you know, 40-foot high-cube containers certainly can go ahead and transport a lot more than an air freight container. I think the other piece of this is the temperature-controlled environments with containers, refrigerated containers, uh, lends to a better outcome just because technology has improved so much over the last few years. So I think what we'll see is Shippers will continue to use refrigerated containers for most refrigerated commodities, and I think that will be the uh, primary mode for, um, again, for foodstuffs, refrigerated commodities, and, and the like.
0: So within those commodities, what specifically does CQ handle? What types of goods are you guys shipping in your containers or in the container? So I think one
1: point of clarification uh, is we are a leasing company. So our customers are the ones that are really looking after their own customers who are the shippers. So our involvement is to make sure that we are serving our customers with equipment requirements and equipment uh, provisions through leases to make sure that they can go ahead and meet the demand in the refrigerated markets and the dry markets uh, to some extent uh, with some of the peak season challenges. So our involvement from an end-to-end perspective of the shipment uh, is not really, um, that. that's not really where we play. We are more of a provider of equipment. However, I would say that our ability to go ahead and service our customers with containers that have the right technology and have some of the capabilities that they are going to require going forward is is a big, big priority for our customers, but it's also a priority for us to make sure that we continue to embrace and invest in technology that assists them with these type of challenges.
0: And so where can this technology be expanded? What is the place for opportunity um, with this? Obviously, you guys have ocean freight in those areas, but is it possible to expand into the intermodal space at all?
1: I think there's an opportunity to go ahead and, and look at technology and probably a multidimensional viewpoint. And what I mean by that is right now we have technology that we're investing in for our customers, where we have turnkey leasing solutions in the refrigerated market, and that's really been um, – a key driver following the pandemic, uh, because some of the some of the motivation and some of the aspirations for shippers is to go ahead and continue to accelerate the uh, the adoption rate of installing technology on the refrigerated containers for a variety of reasons. One is just the asset management of making sure that utilization remains high, um, dwell time remains low, optimizing their fleet transparency of the cargo um, condition as the cargo moves from origin to destination, which is really a benefit for their customers. The other piece too, I think that's really important is as regulatory and compliance issues surface. And this happened with China with refrigerated containers entering the country, whereby there was some inspection processes that took, took place relative to seafood maybe having a contamination factor relative to COVID, or at least that was what the theory was. So that delay uh, in terms of trying to enter markets certainly um, was required to go ahead and look after from a technology standpoint, just to see what that delay in the transit extension time was relative to the uh, outcome of the, the uh, cargo. So I think what we're seeing is this, this, this entire technology space is evolving. And I think that while one would say it's just temperature controlled monitoring was the primary uh, factor that people were really interested, it's becoming more than that. And I think that's why we as C-Cube, as an investor in the equipment, have committed and embraced technology as part of our service
0: offering. It's interesting that you mentioned that regulatory aspect because I don't think that that's typically something that comes to the front of the mind when you talk about keeping your goods in the correct condition. You don't necessarily think of you have these regulations that keep it there, right? It's just you want your goods in the condition that they're expected to come in. Talk to me a little bit about the partnership between these regulatory agencies and then the shippers who utilize your technology. What is the feedback loop like between the two? And then, how does that influence technology developments on your side to make things better and to keep up with those regulations, as well as keeping up with the shipper needs?
1: Yeah, I think the the primary um, concern is unexpected delays relative to uh, compliance or regulatory issues that surface very quickly. And, and this and this happened with China, quite frankly, where there was delay. There were delays where there were seven to ten day delays based on trying to get clearance through the uh, Chinese government based on inspections. And and we certainly expect that to continue as we kind of go through the pandemic outcomes and also some of the resurfacing now with Delta virus, this could happen again. So I think that there is is a sense of cooperation, I think, between the shippers and also regulatory compliance uh, entities. But I think some of this is going to be evolving to the extent that there's gonna be a higher priority around cargo monitoring, which will be tied back into technology applications. So anytime we have extended transits that are um, at least unplanned, I think it's uh, even more of a priority to have the right technology to monitor the cargo condition, but also have the transparency to make sure that there could be some predictive analytics to uh, prevent failures or claims relative to the outcomes of uh, delivery of the refrigerated cargo um, containers
0: there's been a lot of adaptation in cold chain shipping this past year especially when it comes around shipping vaccines and getting vaccines into places that don't necessarily have the technology for equitable vaccine delivery has this opened any avenues possibly for c-cube into this biomedical path do you see any opportunity with trying to develop and support these vaccines and other temperature-controlled medical substances to places that don't necessarily have the infrastructure to receive it another way?
1: Yeah, excellent question. And we have been very, very involved in looking at vaccine distribution relative to how we can equip ourselves, our equipment, and our customers with the right technology to make sure that for emerging markets that need temporary storage and the refrigerated sector for vaccine um, distribution, Uh, I think we take it for granted here in the U.S. because we've had access to vaccines and we've had a very quick deployment of vaccines. That's not so much the case with other countries. So other countries are going to rely on portable refrigerated storage solutions, whether it's vaccines or other type of um, medication or any other pharmaceutical type products. We think there's A really significant application for portable storage tied back to refrigerated containers, especially since the assets are portable. They can certainly um, run off of uh, portable gensets, and we think there's certainly down the road, there could be uh, more demand in that area. So, we as C Cube have invested in some technology that would allow shippers to use uh, ISO containers, refrigerated containers for vaccine transport. And we're in the middle of uh, talking to significant customers or major customers that possibly would explore that solution.
0: I think that's really interesting because vaccine inequity is one of the things that will extend the life of pandemics and further pandemics down the road. And if we can solve these problems on the front side, then we'll be prepared for the next pandemic and what's sure to come as we live in this early, ever-changing COVID landscape. One of the lessons from the last year when it comes to the priority of temperature-controlled substances and temperature-controlled shipping, especially with those delays that were unprecedented, we saw lots of things pop up for disruptions in the supply chain that we couldn't account for. How have you guys learned and grown through the last year to kind of take those things and roll and stride with them?
1: One area, and it's, it's actually uh, was unexpected, is right after the lockdown in March of 2020 here in the U.S., we saw an acceleration in demand for refrigerated containers. And we saw that because there was a shift in categories in the refrigerated markets. It went from a service, food service industry type category to more of a retail category. But still, as many people recall, the grocery stores had a really difficult time uh, in replenishment, especially in the cold chain area. So we think that that will continue, but now the category in terms of the commodities are shifting into the service and also the travel and also the uh, restaurant areas where there's more specialty food products that will you know come into the markets because of the uh, recovery taking place. Um, relative to what we think is going to change going forward, we think that there's going to be more sensitivity to being proactive to making sure that there's available refrigerated containers. Um, that are in inventory that can be quickly deployed to service that demand. So we found that we had to be very proactive in building, investing, and having available, available refrigerated containers for our customers that had short spot demand requirements. And I think that's going to continue. So we are being proactive to the extent we can making sure that we're a lead provider in refrigerated containers by being proactive with our orders and our investment strategies.
0: It's so interesting because people are sitting on their container orders and saying, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get this box. I put in my order for it months, months, months ago. not going to get it for the next year or so. And when it comes to shipping temperatures, sensitive goods, you can't have that wait. You can't have that wait period. It needs to happen and it needs to happen now. How are things looking going forward, coming out of the pandemic? What type of opportunities are you guys expecting to expand into or what's next on the horizon for CQ? Yeah.
1: Well, one area we think is going to continue to grow. And we think it's going to be uh, a significant opportunity for us, but also others. And that is the food service delivery area. And what's happening and it, and it, and it started with the pandemic, but it's continuing to be more pervasive in the market, especially the cold chain market is food service delivery markets are expanding uh, exponentially. And the reason for that is more and more people following the pandemic are ordering food and they expect that food to be delivered in a short period of time. So time-sensitive cargo with technology, with distribution of food products, chilled and frozen food products, closer to consumption, will certainly be an opportunity. So we see there, the, the opportunity being in the food service delivery area where there could be a need for portable storage applications. Uh, we all know that there's ghost kitchens now that are starting to pop up that provide an opportunity for food service delivery operators to share kitchen space, but we think that there's going to be a need to share refrigerated space. We also think that the node distribution is going to continue to get closer and closer to the consumption uh, of food service delivery market. So therefore, cold chain will continue to be a high demand area, but local delivery, we think, will be certainly an opportunity for us with respect to some of these no distribution theories and concepts.
0: Maybe as people continue to progress in their grocery ordering, you might see mini CQ containers on their front porches hanging out, just ready for their goods to hit.
1: (laughs) Well, that's not too far from reality, because I think that we are exploring all these opportunities with some partners or potential partners. And there could be food service delivery drop boxes that are refrigerated. So this happens today in the parcel and the overnight delivery areas. We think there could be an application for that same type of concept, but in the food service delivery market, drop boxes that um, allow for delivery service uh, providers or service providers to use something like that. So that could be another application. It may not be a international refrigerated container, but it could be something we enter into in terms of investment opportunity.
0: Then I get my ice cream delivered via Uber Eats instead of setting out on my bike. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today for our Freight Waves Cold Chain Summit. If people want to learn a little bit more about C-Cube or they want to get in touch with you or the company at all, where should they go to do that?
1: They can go to the website, www.ccubecontainers.com. They can also contact me through LinkedIn, or you can certainly email directly at gtuthill at ccubecontainers.com as well.
0: I feel like this is cheesy, but stay cool. <laughs>
1: well i've been told i've been cool but not by many people
0: there you go thank you greg and thank (laughs) Thank you all for joining us for this fireside chat in our freight waves cold chain summit make sure that you're tuning in on linkedin staying active on our chat on uh, live.freightwaves.com as well get your questions in we'll get them answered and we'll be back with more content